0: Time machine? Out of a DeLorean? We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Yeah. So, Julie, I'm gonna finish up my Christmas shopping. Hey, do chicks dig lingerie? Hi.
1: Hey, hi. What size?
0: Yeah, right. She's uh, she's a, uh, she's a six. What
1: about cup size?
0: I'm sorry. Oh, oh, she's way bigger than that. I mean, Uh, not noticeably. Help me. Robert Clayton Dean, he's a DC labor attorney. Take us around to the other side. Focus on the drop. Is it a tape? A powerful man has been murdered. Holy. A hidden camera recorded the crime. None of this goes beyond us. We don't need any more problems, do we? An innocent bystander. Are uh, those my Christmas present? In your dreams, buddy. Dad. Was given the evidence. We have reason to believe that Mr. Zavitz may have passed sensitive materials to you. Uh, no, he, he didn't pass me anything. How did you happen to be at Ruby's today? I was shopping for some lingerie. That's still legal, isn't it? For your wife? No, I was uh, picking something up for myself. I do a little cross-dressing on the weekends. Let's <laughs> get into his life. Produced by Jerry
1: Bruckheimer. Take his wife and kid, he give it up for them. <laughs> Target switching. Directed by Tony Scott. Why
0: are they after me? Two
1: targets, rooftop. You
0: have something they want! I don't have anything! With immediate keyhole visual tasking. Target is on 21. 21. Don't do this to me.
1: Nineteen.
0: Been a law-abiding citizen my whole life. One day with you, shoot. He's running. He's on your six o'clock. Will Smith certainly carjacked a really nice car. Gene Hackman. You're either incredibly smart or incredibly stupid. We'll see in a minute. Enemy of the state. Should have gotten our watch.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I'm your host Matt Bledsoe and this is volume 10 of Unscottable, which is our ongoing series on the films of director Tony Scott. And this time we are talking about Enemy of the State from 1988. Uh, to help me talk about it, I am joined by a first time guest to this show, uh, but the man is certainly no stranger to the podcasting world. He is one of the hosts of the long running film strip podcast. It's Jay Skipworth. Jay, how you doing?
0: Matt, I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show and big fan of this series and a uh, a certified Tony Scott, uh, you know, Stan, if you will. And uh, so always happy to uh, get on and talk about this. And uh, thanks so much for inviting me on.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm glad you're here. Um, I've listened to you for a while. I think I first heard you way back on uh, 20th Century Movie Club on the Dana Buckler Show, probably with, yeah. with Mike, I believe, and uh, uh, it's exciting to actually get to talk to you, to hear your voice for so long. So, <laughs>
0: oh, well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, we we've been doing a film strip for, gosh, on eleven years plus now. So, a uh, lot of a lot of stuff out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was listening to something. Uh, I think I went back to listen to an episode maybe atkins undisputed which is now action for everyone with you and mike And you said film trips going like 10 years and i was like that's amazing because podcasting is a it's a grind so like yeah more power to you my friend that's that's amazing well, um, <laughs> i
0: i i've been able to do it because i've had i have great co-hosts and uh and, and lots of good folks like yourselves like mike uh that'll come on the show and do stuff with us and it, as much as we've covered in that amount of time there's still a lot of movies we haven't gotten to so there's always something to talk about Oh,
1: that's true. And there's always making new movies. So you never run out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> so yep. um kind of an endless supply. So yeah, but it is fun, but it can be it can be definitely a grind. But uh I'm glad you hear you're a Tony Scott stand because you've come to the right place. Uh and thank you for listening to the series. I appreciate it. Um, glad you've been enjoying it. Um, glad you're here for enemy of the state. This is a big one. Um oh, yeah. big hit for Tony. Uh and I guess I'll just start off by asking, um, did you see Enemy of the State when it first came out in theaters '98, or did you come to it later?
0: I saw it in theaters. I was, this will date myself a little bit. I was a senior in college when this came out and I liked Tony Scott movies. I was watching a lot of movies at the time and, and, I saw the trailer for this. I was a big Will Smith fan because, I mean, he had, you know, I knew him from the Fresh Prince days, but he had exploded with like, I think he'd had three summers in a row, like Independence Day, Bad Boys, Men in Black. I probably got those out of order, but, you know, so he was one of the most bankable summer stars. I uh, love Gene Hackman from, you know, the time I could watch movies. He was in them. Probably Superman's the thing that introduced me to him, and then I've just seen so much of his work. You put that with Tony Scott and this cast, which at the time I didn't appreciate how unbelievably cool it was to have all these young people in it. But uh, I saw, you know, a little bit of uh, um, I think Scott Green. I was a big Buffy fan, so yeah, you know, that was happening. And I, it was it was the way um, it was all set up, um, just the way the trailer was cut and. It's a spy thriller. That's another thing that I just love. You know, all that Tom Clancy stuff. I had devoured a lot of those books and had read a lot of that kind of stuff. And even going back to stuff like Three Days of the Condor and like that's something my dad was into. So I, I grew up watching this kind of thing. So when i i knew i was going to get a tony scott version of that i was down you know because this is this <laughs> yeah. has so much like noir in it from like stuff again like three days of the condor the conversation i'm sure we'll talk about that uh, but even stuff like doa and invasion of the body snatchers and you can even go back to stuff like the third man i mean all all of you know this is this is a piece of cinema that just gets redone over and over, but that doesn't make it any less cool or fun. So, yeah, I was there uh, when it came out in theaters. I don't know if it was opening weekend or not, but probably close to it because it, w- it came out around holiday time, and that's when everybody from where I went to school, like, went home, but I was in the same town I grew up in, so I was just at work. So, you know, I would get off work and go to a movie, and, uh, yeah, I saw this when it came out and owned it on VHS and uh, <laughs> got it as a, a gift uh in like a grab bag uh you know thing uh you draw a name out of the hat in the office party and uh, one of my office mates thought he said i thought you'd dig this and i got it the dvd so i've owned it in several formats
1: oh nice nice yeah it's uh it, i mean yeah it's interesting because yeah you mentioned will smith had this amazing run uh because i was looking at indb and i'm like man what a couple years he had because it, it go i think it's it's bad boys it's independence day it's men in black and then this. So he like those three movies and they get him for this. And it's like um, huge star at the time playing a little against type because uh, you know, he's always kind of like jokey and and doing funny guy stuff, even though he's doing action stuff, but it's kind of jokey still. And he still has jokes in Enemy of the state, but it's, it's definitely, I think he's playing it way more straight than he's played anything else for a while. Um, But yeah, no, it's uh, there's a lot of things going on. We'll talk about all the stuff going on, but um, it's funny. You're, See, I'm jealous you guys in a theater my first viewing was memorable but in a very different way because we had um I live like Virginia Beach basically and we had a hurricane coming and I rented oh, some wow. tapes and one of them was enemy of the state so
0: oh, wow that, watching, that's a <laughs> heck of a way to remember it
1: it's <laughs> yeah, like watching enemy of the state and there's a hurricane barreling toward us and uh I remember it was one of those times when we we're so used to hurricanes around here that it's like we're all kind of like whatever about them kind of you know unless they get real like real serious category three four five but uh i remember this one was kind of a dud it was like we thought it to be so much worse and we're like eh, this is a weak one (laughs) but but i remember (laughs) watching enemy of the state and thinking this is a really cool movie but i'm only like i probably got the tape in 99 so i was like 12 or something and i thought this is cool but i didn't i didn't really think about who tony scott was i was in it for will smith um because as a kid he was just one of those people that i felt like was beloved by me and my whole family <laughs> It was like, if Will Smithson, like were to go see it after Men in Black and Independence Day, um, he was just kind of one of our guys. And uh, yeah, I don't think I was prepared for how uh, at the time how like kind of this is very dark and very paranoid. Um, and just kind of uh, how serious it was, even now, now I watch it. And it's like, it's a bunch of fun for me. But <laughs> at the time I was like, Oh, I thought this be a little more, uh, I don't know, more light like his other stuff. But um, but yeah, it's and I, it's funny, because this is the one, this whole series been doing this, and I felt like either I had seen movies for the first time uh, for this series or just seen them recently, a couple of years, or I'd watched them many times and knew them very well. This one, I don't think I've seen uh, the whole thing since that first viewing in like 99 or something. So this was the one I was probably most looking forward to revisiting just since it had been so long, um, and I still really, really enjoyed it. Um, I'm sure I enjoyed it more than I did when I was 12. So, but, uh, cause it's, it's, again, it's like, I love when Tony gets to work with Jerry Bruckheimer, uh, yeah. because of all the resources he gets, because it's like, this is this very slick well-made movie with like stars and, um, with a huge budget, you know, and this is, it's, it's funny because, I'm kind of jumping around but I was watching this now and this whole thing is about surveillance and paranoia and are, are they watching you? Are they bugging you? Do they have your house bugged and can they see you? And in 98, they're acting so terrified of this future, or this this, or this reality that we don't know about what kind of people videotaping us. And, and like, I'm thinking since 98, we've just, a lot of people have just given <laughs> that ability to like be tracked to put yourself out there. Like we've kind of opened up our lives willingly to be seen. And that was, so that was the thing I was most fascinated watching me in the state again, um, was their, their attitude towards surveillance then and how things have like just gone, I think so much farther than they could have imagined in 20 plus years since it came out. Like it was very striking
0: to me on this rewatch. <laughs> oh, completely. I mean, it's, it's fun to go back and watch movies like this. Techno thrillers is what they mm-hmm. usually get called and to watch them pre 9 11. Oh yeah. And then everything that happened in like 2002, particularly 2003, the Patriot Act and all those kind of things, but also just the rise of how technology has become a part of our lives. And in 1998, having a cell phone and having a pager was a big deal. Right, It wasn't (laughs) as, as, uh, you know, expensive as like, you know, anything Zach Morris was doing on Saved by the Bell or, (laughs) you know, any of that kind of stuff. But it was something everybody was into and the internet was part of our lives now and, and all of that. And I think Hackman's got some drop lines about like, yeah, you sign up for stuff. You don't even know what you're getting into and, and all this, you know, whatnot. And it, to have it played off as such paranoia. And now it's like, that's a click of a mouse. When you sign up for your, you know, you log into your new iPhone and you're setting it up and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Terms of service, whatever. <laughs> and you just move, like we don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. Right. But, but it was, it was, I call this like the, kind of the very apex of the end of the baby boomer generation paranoia and the the coupled with the gen x cynicism you know about how all this is slapped with this incredibly slick production value and the coolness of will smith and the just powerhouse of gene hackman and then this just cavalcade of young actors that we would see for you know decades do stuff Uh, Some bigger than others, obviously. And then you throw in John Voight, you know, who everyone hates now and, you know, (laughs) politics aside and stuff like that. But, I mean, you talk about a guy that can always play a great in whatever he's going to be. If he's going to be the villain, if he's going to be the grandfather, whatever. I mean, the guy is an acting force. And at that point, he and Hackman had been around for decades together and had done stuff. So the fact that they get to have a scene together and, oh, man, it's it's neat to see all this apex together. But just subject matter-wise, yeah. It's neat to watch a movie like this before we all became hyper aware about just how locked in the intelligence community worldwide is to your life and what you're doing. And now to think about it, you know, 20 something years later here, and it's, I mean, that doesn't even like make the news anymore you right. Germans Like it's not even a surprise. Everybody's just like, "Yeah, that's what we do." You know, it's just I yeah.
1: Inspired. It's like we accept it. It's like uh, yeah. we all have basically everyone. You know, has smartphones, and uh, unless mm-hmm. you're like my stepdad, who has like a flip phone, but they, they, uh, everybody has smartphones, which I feel like we all. Kind of even joke we're like ah yeah the government could track us like it's like
0: you know well, you know, I always joke like if somebody is tracking me i'm really sorry that you have to follow my incessant tweets and, and text and you know whatever about you know college football the nfl and whatever movie podcast i'm doing that week like that's pretty much all you get out of me or you know how lousy this meeting is at work like that's I'm the worst person you have to track but i i i also laugh about that and go like yeah but you know that's the whole point is the way the surveillance state becomes part of our lives is that you make it so intrusive and so a part of everything that you you just feel like i can't escape it so might as well just eh, live with it you know but there's i mean there's some real truth to the paranoia of, of this movie and the idea that you know within a click of a button your whole life can be ruined and you had nothing to do with it you know like and right, it's not right. that's not untrue and uh, it's it's a little spooky to think about
1: that's yeah that's the part that you know i feel like people will joke like oh they can track us but i always think or talk to my friends i'm like well yeah but they're probably not wasting their time on their own people who aren't doing anything or they have ways to filter it but the scary thing is that they want to find you and track you they could very easily <laughs> you know they mm-hmm. go into your uh, your alexa you know or go through i trigger everyone's Alexa. i'm sorry i go through here <laughs> go through your uh you know go to your phone if they want so i assume they have like filtering systems where they are not just tracking every single person in the country but uh if they want to get to you I, it's very simple you know and this they're like but you know um john boyd has a whole thing about will smith where he's like get me his bank accounts uh, get, tell me what kind of porno tapes he rented from the video store you know he's like right. get me all this stuff which i'm sure they could get on anybody anytime they want now um it'll be digital for the most part um i just thought it was fascinating like the, the way that that was, and plus you made a good point about pre nine 11 that really changed things. Mm-hmm. Um, cause this is three years before that happens. And after that, it's like a whole th- different thing with opening up the freedom of information act. I believe was after that and the Patriot act and like, um, all the stuff they did after that. And it's just, it's so interesting with this like big blockbuster, um, talking about these things and how, how different they are. And, I mean, I still really enjoy it. I think some people like younger people might watch this now and think it's outdated or something, but, um, mm-hmm. I, don't know, I found it very fun. It was all, It was almost like, in a way, I mean, this sounds like dismissive, but I was like, oh, this is almost quaint how they think about like surveillance, like yeah. they have to put bugs on you. I'm like, they're not they don't even need that your phone, your laptop, your phone, all that stuff will do it. They don't need to put bugs in your house. They just, you know,
0: it's, it's right. just,
1: yeah, I don't know. I was I,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the the other thing the other thing too is there's there's scenes you know when they're doing the chases and stuff, and I think Scott Green gets these these scenes where or Seth Green I keep calling him Scott Scott Con is in this is why I keep screaming that's that yeah
1: out. that's understandable yeah,
0: yeah <laughs> so so yeah so Seth Green is it gets the scene and he's talking a like to a police dispatcher while they're chasing him they're chasing Will Smith him and his crew of people through this tunnel, and I think that's between uh, Baltimore and, and D.C. or something like that, but, it, but anyway, it's all shot in that area. But um, they're chasing me, and they're like, hey, we need to hook into these traffic cameras. And so they just go to this guy, and there's this guy that's like, yeah, it's here, here's where the ax is. And it, the thing about that that struck me this time was, oh, wow, look how much of this stuff was already in place, and nobody even, like, blinked an eye at it at this yeah. point and that's I mean again we're talking about years before it became part of you know our lives or whatever and I'm like holy cow it, it, it's I don't know it was, it was eye-opening of course you know the NSA of course has to come out and tell everybody like oh this is bogus we didn't do, they want to like this whole PR campaign afterward <laughs> which I, I told I was telling another friend of mine today that I was reviewing this and I said you know you've got it right when the people that you like lampoon or that you you send up in the movie go on a pr campaign to talk about how wrong you were that's exactly (laughs) validation they're like oh no they were so right we need to tell everybody how wrong they
1: were right right Um, i mean if anything yeah yeah. oh sorry (laughs) no you got it if they if for if anything they probably uh they probably had so little information of what the nsa could do you know what i mean like yeah the movie pie only scratched the surface of uh of stuff they had going on in 98, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, but that, that that was the joke, like after Hunt for Red October came out, that Clancy got called into meetings at Langley and in the White House. Like, how did you, where did you get this? And all that stuff. And that's why he <laughs> said, like, everything he ever wrote, it all came from somewhere. And while he fictionalized a lot of it, a lot of it wasn't completely wrong. And that story has, has pretty much been proven at this point to be exactly true. Like, it didn't, you know, totally go down the way he dramatizes it, but, you know, uh, America stole a Russian sub (laughs) uh, and and an airplane that defected like that, that happened. You know, it was just part of the the deal. And, but it, it's it's neat to think about those kind of things that go on. And I think Voight's the one that gets a lot of lines about how, like, there's so many things going on, the average person has no idea. And it's better that they don't anyway, because if they knew, they wouldn't know how to handle it, you know? Right. <laughs> and he's right, because I don't yeah. need to know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't need that kind of stress in my life. <laughs> like, they right? can deal with it. Um, Yeah, it, it, it's funny. Uh, they, they bring up in, like, a behind-the-scenes feature about – people hear about the FBI and the CIA a lot, but the NSA kind of doesn't get as much attention. And they Mm -hmm. were saying that they're, if you think the CIA is secretive, but NSA is so much more secretive than, than the, uh, the CIA. And that's what they were kind of getting into. um, Just saying how much more kind of shadowy stuff that they're into than, than any other organization and uh, stuff that, yeah, would blow your mind and, you know, probably wouldn't, you wouldn't want to know about, so. No, yeah, yeah.
0: that's the whole, the whole idea is that you, you, you don't need to know and you don't want to know, but, and, and that's where the twist of this comes in is that, okay, so if this is kind of thing can happen, what if the wrong people, you know, per se got their hands on this and they needed to get a piece of legislation passed, they needed to do something, would they be above taking out an old Congressman, Jason Robards? Probably not. You know, I mean, yeah, and the- <laughs> people act like that's such a weird thing. Go read history, kids. Like, we, we killed a lot of people in this country for a <laughs> lot less. Like, that is not an uncommon thing.
1: Right, yeah. I, I mean, that I'm sure many things have happened we don't even know about or, you know, we people have gotten in, air quotes, car accidents or something. And it was right. like, oh, you know, that probably was orchestrated by somebody because there's people pulling the strings. And, um, that, yeah, I mean, the, the whole inciting incident with uh, John Voigt killing Casey Robor, uh, Robards, the the congressman, I believe, the politician, uh, yeah. and you know, and there's a videotape of it. I, mean, like I imagine they would, the NSA would kill to get that back. You know, it's like, um, yeah, poor Jason Lee. I forgot how bad he gets it when he's right. Oh around. yeah,
0: my God, yeah, I right. had <laughs> forgotten it too. I, I I forgot like how young he was at this point. I'm like, oh, this is like Mallrats era, Jason <laughs> yeah. Lee. Like, oh wow, like this, this was sort of like his. I think one of his first non Kevin Smith things too so it was like oh wow this guy's actually kind of fun and and good and like i mean not that he's not fun in the kevin smith movies but if you're in those particularly in the 90s when you're in those kind of things like you sort of got that was the only work you could get you know it felt like and to see him get to do this and it's really kind of a bit part but he's he's awesome in it and it made me it made me sort of sit there and go like i went on a google search afterward uh, going whatever happened to that fletch remake he was going to do you know because he was going to be You well know, you know development hell forever but but it made me think about that but I know yeah he's great in this and I mean again you've got him you've got yeah it's Jake Busey Scott Con, Seth Green, Barry peppers in this Gabriel Byrne was kind of new to the scene at this point I, I think I mean yeah Usual Suspects had been a thing already and he was a established actor but to get him to do just kind of a nothing part yeah I was you know?
1: shocked but that was the thing I might have been most shocked. Besides Jason Lee whoever I was in the movie and then I see Gabriel Byrne pop up almost in this like, bit part that could have been anybody really, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very quick. I was like, wow, they got him to do this little part, and it's yeah, it's not like he's a nobody at this time. That was, um, yeah, that was fascinating. Like, the whole cast is just stacked from top to bottom. Yeah. It's, I, and I think,
0: too, it, it's notable to note the performances Regina King and Lisa Bonet turn in in this movie. And Lisa Bonet's is a little, it's a little a throwback from an era that was going away and stuff where sort of the damsel in distress kind of thing. And you could tell that it feels like a lot of it got cut, you know, but there's, there's some depth to that character, but Regina King's been a powerhouse since, you know, boys in the hood and all that stuff. And I mean, she's still an amazing actress, but to see her on the screen, I'm like, boy, they, they picked a good opposite to Will Smith and, and just a a great strong character and that's one you know it's been one of the knocks on Scott films through the years is that sometimes the female characters get a little wonky they get a little you know they're they're not as even as some of the others but she's awesome in this and she's not the focus of it she's not supposed to be the focus of it but she is a big part of the story and it's fun to watch
1: yeah that's a good point I know and Tony Scott talks about that in like kind of the behind the scenes feature that I watched that uh he really focused on those two roles of uh, Regina King and uh, Lisa Bonet because he wanted them to be, you know, they're both women in Will Smith's life. They, he wanted to be very kind of different. Lisa Bonet's like mm-hmm. kind of that got that hippie free spirit uh, thing. Regina King is like a very like strong uh, kind of I don't know that businesswoman. Like she, I think he Tony yeah. described her as wearing the pants in the family. And that phrase is kind of outdated, but um, you know, he like how she's really holding her own and is kind of they're, they're very these two strong women in his life that are very different. Uh, from each other, and yeah, they're both great. It's like we talk about this a lot in the show about how good Tony Scott is at um, casting, mm-hmm. and this is another one of those great examples because, like I said, top to bottom, it's like the, even the bit parts. You know, <laughs> it's like like you. May, I'm glad you mentioned all those guys. Like he has all these young guys because that was the one thing when he went to. It's funny because now they got some cooperation from like the CIA and NSA. Like they got a little bit of like they got to go visit some stuff, and I'm not sure what they saw, but but he Tony was kind of blown away by how many young guys work there yeah. he, he imagined older guys in suits but he's like oh no it's he's like young guys right at college so yeah he gets like jamie kennedy and jack black and uh mm-hmm. yeah james con- uh, scott yeah scott con uh jake busey barry pepper um so yeah he just he's so good at casting like from top to bottom it's crazy and like i keep bringing it up but i can't get over it because like every movie just keeps keeps kind of uh proving the point um and to go back you said about the female characters i have noticed that Kind of watching his movies, and I know where we're going with Man on Fire and Domino. Um, I feel like Tony gets, gets better with female yeah. characters um, uh, over the years, um, and especially in Domino. I, feel, you know, that's like so. I definitely think it's he gets better as he goes along with with handling female characters. And I think this is a better example of him giving them like better parts, and I do think some stuff got cut, especially with Lisa Bonet. Um, from kind of what I was reading, uh, they trimmed some stuff out, but. Um, yeah. but yeah so
0: well I, mean, I think i think you hit on it there's like they, they get better through through time and i think it's because the writing gets better i mean david marconi's the the screenwriter of this and most of this is him but like aaron sorkin did a run on this mm-hmm. um tony did a run on it through the the uh, the rewriting the production um i think you had Oh, there was another one I read. I don't have it in front of me. But you got him right here.
1: if You want uh Yeah, go ahead. So yeah, it's funny, because they have David Marconi does a script. And and originally, Tony and Gene Hackman both passed because they thought the script wasn't that strong. So Aaron Sorkin comes in and does a better, better pass. But then they get Tony Gilroy, uh, who comes off devil's advocate to punch it up. And they brought in uh, a guy who's like, I guess, a renowned script doctor named Henry Bean, um, who'd written internal affairs and deep cover um to add some more stuff so they had this all these great writers kind of touching the script and improving it um it's definitely I I think it is one of the probably one of the best scripts Tony got to work with honestly so it's
0: it's right up there with like I think it was a few years later he did Spy Game with with uh Brad Pitt the next one incredible script I know that that'll be coming up for you, that's that's an incredible movie, and I feel yeah. like that movie owes a lot to this one. In fact, I think it uses some of the footage again in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, which you know, who could blame him? I mean, if you know anything about Tony Scott, like there's a lot of coverage. So, like, you're going to get they, stuff.
1: They you don't call him nine keep, camera Tony for nothing.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, well, you know, we're going to do it once, but it's going to be from every angle known.
1: Yeah. That's, know? so, and that reminds me of that was great stuff. And this there's like a 30 minute behind the scenes on the Blu ray that's just full of great stuff in 30 minutes. And I love, like, I was talking to Barry Pepper and I believe Jake Busey, um, uh, maybe Scott Con. too, about how there's so much running. And they had to yeah. run so much because Tony wants to cover it from every conceivable angle and every like, you know, everything he could do. And they just said they 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 at one point they point like ran 30 blocks in a day because they just kept running over and over in all these different ways. It sounds exhausting, this movie. There was a lot of running going on.
0: <laughs> right, right. I mean, and but again, you're seeing these guys when like they are at their their youth prom, you know, yeah. it's yeah. almost like it, it is a little bit like watching the top gun cast. When that happened. Because yeah, yeah. most of those guys were relatively young, particularly like Cruz, Kilmer, all those guys were, were I mean, he cast a bunch of rock star models, he said, you know, and <laughs> and showed them off. And you could see like in another life, like if it wasn't, you know, December, or when this is supposed to be taking place or whatever, that, d- yeah, it's the same idea. Cause everybody's got that huge hair. And again, that's the funny thing about like government agencies, everybody thinks like it's this boring paper chase looking <laughs> stuff. And it is because none of these guys dress up, they don't have to, they they just look like, you know, people that work at a bank or not, not even work at a bank, work at like a marketing firm or something like, you know, and that's how their cover works is you don't recognize them cause they just look like whatever because uh, they don't care you know. because right, you're not right. supposed to be seen so I mean, especially and, in
1: the, yeah the guys in the van i call them the jack black and the jamie kennedy yes. guys just, and seth green are like typical you know like guys you would find a computer shop in 98 you know what i mean yep. like to, it's like it's yeah it's it's great they just like normal dudes
0: you know? yeah exactly i mean you know, they get the ex-military guys like busey and con are supposed to be those guys and they're and burn in some case you know and they're out running around berry pepper they're out kind of doing the I guess you call the clandestine operation stuff. And then you've got the tech guys who, I mean, I love it at the end when they're deposing Jamie Kennedy and Jack Black and you know, Jack Black's going like, look, man, I'm just there doing tech support. That's all I was hired for. And Jamie Kennedy's like, I thought it was a training operation. Like, he, like, they're just playing <laughs> it all. And I'm like, man, you can tell these guys are, have been well-trained because that's exactly how you answer this question. Like, <laughs> he's like, Yeah, no, I don't know nothing. So, I'm just pushing <laughs> buttons, you know. And, but that that's what makes it fun is, is all this stuff going on. But it, I mean, I think the thing that's neat is that Will Smith, again, one of the most bankable stars in the world at the time, does this movie because – when Hackman signs on, he's like, oh, yeah, that's me. And to hear tell of it, the rest of the cast signed up for this because they were like, oh, Gene Hackman's in it? I'm there. Like, the, Like yeah, everybody yeah. else care about anything else. Like, I'll do it, whatever. Sure, Gene Hackman? I get to hang out with Gene Hackman? Down damn, damn. and Gene Hackman was like, Guys, it's not that big of a deal, like you, see, you know, but but you know, it was, was kind of neat, which I think that kind of bothered John Boyd. <laughs> nobody wants to stack with him, but nobody but, signs up for me. It's like, no, John, we're here for Gene. <laughs> I think everybody's seen Varsity Blues at that point, or they were going to pretty soon, but I mean, you know, but I but I it was a, he was in a different place. But Hackman again has such presence anytime I mean, he's doing anything, but you can't watch this movie and not if you've seen it think about something like the conversation. You know, and in a lot of ways, you know, he never copped to it, but it just feels like Tony Scott told him, I just want you to play that guy, but it's been 25 years.
1: Right. And so I just, because
0: if you've seen that movie, not to spoil everything, but it ends on kind of a down note for that character, Mm -hmm. but, and he's kind of resigned to this is the life we have or whatever. And you see this guy and you're like, well, I could make a world where that's what happened to that dude is this, you know, he's doing, under the table work investigation work because what else do you do if this is what you know how to do right
1: right yeah that's uh, i'm so glad you brought that up because i had in my notes here to talk about gene hackman his character in the conversation because i actually just watched the conversation for the first time like when this comes out probably three weeks ago (laughs) kind of awesome it's one of the best movies i've ever seen it's like (laughs) and he gives one of the best performances i think i've ever seen it's just i was blown away because i'd heard great things for years and then to see it i was like just stunned by it. I was blown away. Um, it's funny cause everyone hearing this episode with you will probably heard me talk about it on the last episode. I've never the Carmelita that's not out yet. We're, we're, we're recording this and I bring it up on there. Um, I was in love with the conversation. I posted about it on Twitter and it, people seem like they came out of the woodwork saying, Oh, it's great. Like I all this all this week got so much tension. I couldn't believe it. I was like, Oh, okay, good. Everyone loves the conversation. Um, I kind of watched it in prep for this episode. Cause I heard for years that his character in this, uh, you know, could be considered a continuation of the character of the conversation. Um, it's funny because it also came up on Lindsay's podcast, Shock and Awe, with uh, yeah. Rob Intacare, uh, and they did a, a double of conversation. Um, oh, Jesus. What's the... <laughs> oh, I've, I feel bad. Oh, blowout, blowout. Um, yeah. and, and Rob brings up that, uh, you know, people have that theory about that it's the same character. He didn't think it was because he thinks this guy is way more aggressive, than gene hackman was in the conversation and i i I see that point i almost think that maybe he got hardened by everything that happened to him in the conversation and became the way he is in the enemy of the state you know it's like yeah i could see him kind of changing after all those years and becoming he's still very paranoid obviously and knows all this stuff but
0: um, oh yeah listen i was having a conversation with somebody at work and i've been doing what i do for a living for over 20 years at this point in the same area right and I I think back now to the way I thought about things and how I answered stuff and did stuff. And I'm, you know, there's times now where I'm like, I'm the old guy in the room now. This is weird. And it (laughs) makes you, and again, I'm Gen X. So it makes me, you know, sort of naturally cynical a little bit. And um, I I was sitting there going like when I was watching this movie prepare for the podcast, I was like, you know, I, I can see why it's a hard stretch, you know, for people to go like, well, it's not the same character, but, in 20 plus years, you get a little harder because what happens is you stop caring what everybody else thinks and you <laughs> yeah. just, you're going to whatever, you know, you just do what you do. And I, I, I kind of took it as that is like somebody that would disappear from life to not be tracked by all these people because he's absolutely paranoid that the Hackman character in this movie is absolutely paranoid about being tracked by the NSA. So you know, and we find out like he worked for him. He was in the agency, you know, all this stuff. Like, that, there's a reason he doesn't want them to know he's around anymore. And I, I don't know. That's why where I kind of make that connection. But even if even if you don't get that, you just know that this guy has such a rich history, and you're only gonna get like peaks at it. And that's what makes it so much more fun because you can make like a whole television show out of this, right? right Which would probably yeah. ultimately reveal too much and, and not be as fun as a two-hour movie because, and that's the beauty of Tony Scott movies is he can jam so much stuff in, you know, 100 to, you know, 130 minutes and you feel like you just want more at the end of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> It's one of those things where they leave you I do like where they leave you with the Gene Hackman character, but I was like, I could follow him around for, for way longer. I think. Um, mm-hmm. I love his little like cage that he built, his little yeah. like you know uh, surveillance proof cage, and he has everything rigged to blow. Um, that explosion, by the way, uh, when he blows that place up, is very impressive. Even more impressive yes. to see every angle from the behind the scenes. It's a huge explosion, like yes, bananas when you watch. Like, oh my god, they're really. Just this, this is so. But I mean, they leveled a building. I mean, that's the, that's yeah. the
0: thing. Is like nowadays that w- and it would be beautifully recreated this CGI. But there's nothing like watching real concrete disintegrate in front of you.
1: Oh yeah, was, and, and like I feel like CGI fire never looks as good as you know no, real fire. Yeah, f- fire and blood they never
0: get right. Like everything else yeah. they can get, but the fire and blood <laughs> it'll never it'll never be exactly right. And you can tell the difference if you've seen you've seen the real thing. And of course, Tony Scott would blow a whole building to the ground. And there's tons of CGI in this movie. I don't like, there's not, I mean, all those space needle scenes and satellite stuff that, I mean, that's, yeah, straight out of, you know, in the, the afterworks of independence day and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But we got to remember too, this was only a year after the Phantom Menace came out and a few years after Jurassic park. So it was really hard to do this stuff and really expensive. So it was still cheaper just to blow a building up. Just to find an old one and you know take it to the ground and uh, but i love he's got a dead man switch like that it's like oh yep yeah he just turns that key and he doesn't even tell will smith what's happening yeah it goes <laughs> down that's what that's what makes it so much fun is will smith's reaction to it is like i didn't know y'all were gonna do that
1: you know? yeah no that it's great i uh i i'd forgotten how uh how long it takes for gene hack to actually show up in the movie and then he <laughs> kind of you know talks to will smith and gives of the intro about what's going on then he kind of disappears for a little bit longer and then he kind of comes back and I was almost wishing that there was uh more of them together in the movie because I really enjoy the stuff when they're on screen together I don't feel the same way or if you're okay like
0: you know I I, I was sitting there last night watching this and going like how long does it take before Hackman shows up and then there's that point where he he hits the back of the Gabriel Byrne car uh, and that's when you first see him and I'm like we're dropping him in the second act yeah. And I feel like they pepper him just enough because, i it, like, yes, they have incredible chemistry together when they're on the run, and really at the end when they're you know they're kind of going about, and and Will Smith shows him he's got a good plan when he takes him to the. We got to talk about the uh, uh, the mobster situation because that oh. insane <laughs> scenery going on there with with the good old uh, um, ah. Actor escaping my name, uh, not Michael says Um, oh, oh, um, I'm so tired. Um, Tom Sizemore, <laughs> Tom Sizemore, uh, no. yeah, yeah, is that Sizemore? Yeah, it is
1: Sizemore, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: with Tom Sizemore as the, as the, you know, mob kingpin or whatever, and, and all that stuff going on. But I I was sitting there wondering the same thing. I was like, okay, should they have been more him? And I was like, no, nah, you know, I'm kind of glad that there's not because it's just enough that it leaves me intrigued. I'm curious. I have questions. And if you can leave me with that again, you leave me wanting more, you've done your job. movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I kind of forgot about all that little stuff. At the beginning of Tom Sizemore, and Will Smith going to see him. And I, and then they kind of leave it. And I'm like, wait, why did they do that? <laughs> you know why? Uh, and then I've, I, how it comes back full circle. I was like, Oh, I forgot how this all plays out. Kind of. I love how it comes back around. And, um, all I could think of during that last scene was like, wow, this is kind of Tony doing uh true romance a little bit again. The ending yes. of true romance, uh very kind of similar, like a setup where I'm gonna get everybody <laughs> that I need to get rid of into one room and they're just gonna have a massive shootout and fire at each other and like um and Will Smith just hides under a table and is it's all good after that.
0: <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I when I'm watching it in theaters. And I remember this because I grew up watching spaghetti Westerns and stuff. So the old Mexican standoff and all of that, like everybody getting shot at in a close room. Like I've seen that a hundred times. Like I'm down for that. So when they do that here, I had forgotten that that's how this movie ended. And when it came back to that, I was like, oh, that's right. This is going to end in a hail of unreal (laughs) gunfire here in the middle of this. (laughs) But it totally works as, as a, as part of the plot, because At some point, like, how do you crescendo all of this crazy action together? And you have to, the one thing we've seen Will Smith where he was in control in the movie. The one time is when he in that opening setup when he's confronting this guy about like, this isn't you on the videotape talking about paying off the, you know, people to pay off the union or whatever, you know, and he's just threatening the guy. And you realize like this guy can hold his own in that setting. And the rest of the movie, he is constantly constantly behind the eight ball. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where to go. And the one moment he sees where he can put things on his terms, he goes back to a place where he knows he can hold his own. And, to, you know, sometimes it's good to have friends in low places. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> I mean, this is him going like, well, I'm going to the lowest people I know. <laughs> and uh, You know, it's a great move. It's smart.
1: It's very smart. It's really his only way out at that point because mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty much stuck. And then it's also the kind of guys where even if somehow he talked to him you know said just let me go um you know they're gonna keep hounding him or following him or tracking him or something you know it's like he's never gonna get really rid of these guys um so it's really his only yeah, it kind of works I probably I probably thought it would because uh they all end up just shooting each other <laughs> he was right he was like perfect great he got out of this i had forgotten um because Jack Black actually you see him get shot but then he doesn't die, <laughs> which uh, if I if I remembering this right, because I, there's a behind the scenes feature at two where there's actually a really interesting like 15 minute thing where they just focus on them doing the shootout at the end in that mm-hmm. room and how it's so fascinating because like it's it seems like a very complicated thing to shoot because it's a tight space. All these different things he has to cover all these different angles, all these people, you know having to wear squibs at the time, you know, it's like, and yeah. uh, does not look fun to shoot as an actor. Honestly, you're it's very loud. You're getting squibs on you. And uh, Tony tells Jack Black at one point, he's like, he's like, oh, you're going to get shot all the, and you're going to fall down. But don't worry, you're going to live yeah because <laughs> jack's like i'm doing what he's like i'm getting shot he's like yeah yeah don't worry but you're you're gonna make it
0: <laughs> yeah because i think at that point like jack black had been shot by bruce willis and had been shot and oh, yeah i still know what you did last summer or stabbed or whatever <laughs> I mean, jack black was just getting killed in movies <laughs> and he had to be asking himself like is this going to be my career <laughs> the fat guy that gets killed a lot uh, was that but, the you know, jackal where he gets like yeah that's the jackal which oh my is god telling of day of the jackal
1: uh, i and, think I'm i have only seen that one scene where jack black's running for his life and gets shot yeah, I, yeah it's
0: yeah with the, like the motorized gun he's not half bad just as a, a sidebar it's it's funny because richard Gere's accent is horrendous and, and i've heard uh, that <laughs> Yeah, but it's a it's a fun like just afternoon popcorn watch, but it's nowhere near as good as this. But yeah, Jack Black getting shot was a thing, or getting murdered in a movie was a thing at the time. And uh, yeah, I, I, when he survived, I did, I forgot he survived too. I was like, oh, they're wheeling him out. He lives. I forgot because uh, I knew Jamie Kennedy lived because he wasn't nowhere near that kitchen. Oh <laughs> was yeah, like, no, nope.
1: no thank you. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> I just died in Scream too. I ain't doing that. So <laughs> you know, I know what happens when you get too close to the door. So, <laughs> um
1: man yeah, yeah i'm just trying to think i got my notes here so much else i want to cover um I, I this is just funny to me i did you think that this is the most ridiculous lingerie store that you've ever seen yes. in- oh yeah
0: well, i'm watching this with my wife who's seen this movie before too but that, uh-huh. you know, had really no memory of it and she looked at me and she was like this is like a porn shop like this is not victoria's <laughs> secret not- you know like, you don't model it at the store. And she used to work at Victoria's Secret. Like, when we first got married, right. and she had, like, a part-time job there. She's <laughs> like, I promise you, nobody wears it in the store. She said, she said, but conversations like that all the time. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. The conversation seemed real. explicit, like, is it like this, like, where you're showing off? And but even so, again, I was looking at this, like, this is so late 90s. just you know this is all we know what to do with these people and let's let will smith be you know the bumbling goofy husband here (laughs) which was different for him again because like you said he was playing all these confident cocky sure of themselves characters and then you you put him in there as this uh you know not middle-aged but older adult man with a you know he's got a, a you know, a preteen kid and you presume he and his wife have been together a good while and he doesn't, you know, like he's never bought her lingerie before, you know? And (laughs) I I don't know. It was was just funny. But yeah, it is it is a a wild store just out of out of a different time. Yeah. I just it
1: it made me laugh so hard because it was like this underground store that's very sparse and like, but there's women walking around in the lingerie, like models who just yeah spend their time there in the lingerie. And just I just I was it's such a Hollywood thing and such a uh stylized probably Tony decision where he's like, it's not just because yeah. he's never, it's never just with him. It's never just like I always use Topkin as the example. It's like, I'm not gonna just have things in a boring classroom. I'm gonna have the classes out in a hangar where we have the jets behind them it's gonna look great he's like it can't just be a normal victoria secret lingerie store it's got to be this weird like
0: yeah like this underground store. seedy looking thing you know it's <laughs> yeah it's very i i it reminded me of the, the first time i ever went to las vegas i was an adult i was at like a work conference and i was alone there was nobody there to hang out with so i'm walking around at like this mall that is literally you know a couple blocks from my hotel and i think eh, it's a mall i'm just gonna find some food you know whatever i walk by a gap and next to it it is literally a strip joint and like you can i'm like i i went from like a you know a burger king a gap to you know fast eddies or whatever it was called and i was like well this i've now lived something i didn't think i would you know? and so
1: this is a whole different place
0: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no, that's what i thought of i was like i know like downtown maryland and alexandria virginia it is not this like this is not how this works like they, those are I, for whatever the politics of the town are they're very like old conservative very quaint towns I mean you live in, you've lived in Virginia Beach you know the area like that's not that's not how it works so but the, oh, I, yeah. I, I wrote that off totally it's like this is a Tony Scott <laughs> or whatever which is fine because that's that's what I expect from him but it's this Tony doing his underwear model scene in the yeah. middle of this you know techno action movie
1: I just I just I was very yeah it really tickled me this time I thought it was really funny and uh and then Jason Lee runs through and drops the tape with Will Smith's bag. And maybe I missed something or I feel like I'm kind of stupid, but is there any real reason that they need to make? Cause it's already, it could be enough of a coincidence that Jason Lee bumps into him and sees his bag and just drops the tape and keeps running. But they add the little wrinkle of, oh, they went to school together because I think yeah. Will Smith could see him and just say, the guy could be like, I'm in trouble, man. And then Will could be like, you know, I'm a lawyer. You're in trouble. Just take my card. So I just thought it was, I was like, is there a reason that they made them, they would go to college together. I just thought it was, I don't know. It's one of those things, a minor detail. I just was like, did I miss something? Why that's important?
0: <laughs> it's its too random in my yeah. opinion. Like I, my, my write-off for that was like, we needed a scene where, when Jason Lee's making phone calls that he calls his reporter buddy at the, you know, not Politico, but Politico, uh, you know, to, to put out the the story. <laughs> and um, what was it in the house of cards slug line? Like, I was like, come on guys, like we do a better than that. But anyway, um, <laughs> The, you know, he calls that and like his second phone call should have been, let me call my old buddy. Who's a lawyer. And right. and what Will Smith could have told him, is like, man, I'm not that kind of lawyer, but I know somebody <laughs> at the firm. And you know, he, he said, well, look, just meet me here. And like, they, they could have arranged that. That could have been a two minute thing and maybe it is. And they just cut it. But the way it plays, I'm like, this is too random. I'm like, that's it's, it's too much. Like they, it could have just been any rando off the street at that point. The fact that, we got to get the car because that connects them to him like that's just too much like th- <laughs> we've seen these guys do video surveillance they could have just pulled the surveillance from the you know victoria's other secret and figured out <laughs> who he was you
1: know? yeah that's what i thought it's like the complete random chance of will smith's in the store jason lee runs through and he just bumps into him and he's like he sees this opportunity to drop the thing off and keep going and that could have been it and then they could have easily just found will smith and been like you trace, you know track where jason lee went and see oh he drop this in the bag. Um, I don't know. I just, it was just something I thought about too, kind of like the lingerie store. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, interesting. Um, I, yeah. I, I'm trying to think what else in my notes here. Um, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, I kind of, I don't say I miss movies. I feel like this a lot. I feel like I say I miss movies like this, but like, it's just this, the movie is, I think, I would say it's one Tony's best because it's, it's all these, great elements like he gets all these resources and it still has something to say it still is very entertaining um it's got great performances it just it moves really well it's like a there's a lot of play it's just like a long chase for long sections like I love uh Will Smith in the hotel mm-hmm. jumping from balcony to balcony and then when he's being chased uh through those tunnels it's a kind of a great visual with like I think he has a gun he's got a bathrobe <laughs> it's just and just being chased and uh um I just think it's like, it's just this really fun, paranoid action movie that I'm just like, I just miss stuff like this. That's an original idea. You know,
0: it's not based yeah. off anything. Yeah. Um, I, I miss hyperkinetic movies that don't make me dizzy to watch them. <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and that's, that's no knock on those. Cause I will like a lot of those kind of movies, but this is one of those movies that it it fits that bill, but it doesn't whirlwind my head to keep up with it. And as much stuff as i mean you talk and you can feel the air and sorkin in this because all the exposition is while somebody's running right you know or (laughs) jogging or walking like all of it's the the walk and talk and i but i love that because they can they can info dump on you while getting point a to point b and you don't feel like you're like lost or hurried like it's it's going back and thinking like wait a minute were they classmates or whatever but like if you don't catch that just the randomness of it still works (laughs) and, right. <laughs> um and the fact that the, again that like they give you everybody has something to say and like there's definitely like the bad guys and the good guys but the the probably the best scene in the movie my opinion is the scene where the brill character gene hackman is standing across the fence from John Voight and you know, oh, they're trying to yeah. get him to admit it. And yeah. they just have like this, you know, a few minutes together where he's talking and the way Hackman's like, look, I get it. I wouldn't have killed the Congressman, but I understand the conversation. I know what you're saying. Like it, the way that they're, they're going back and forth there. It's, I mean, you know, again, you're watching two heavyweight actors of Hollywood just chew scenery, but it's also a real subtlety to their performances. And that's, that's the thing in such a bombastic movie the, the fact that Will Smith and Gene Hackman both give relatively subtle performances is, and John Voight in particular gives a real subtle performance. It makes it more unnerving and more memorable, even in the loud scenes when Gene Hackman's like yelling at him and stuff, <laughs> he calms down a minute later. And he's like, I'm, I'm hypoglycemic. I, I need to eat. You know, like they, they give him a reason and Will Smith's yeah. like, yeah, you're a pain in the ass when you don't eat. And it makes it, 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 it brings levity to it. And that's what makes this movie so neat and memorable is that it's, it can do all of this uh, crazy kinetic stuff, but still ground itself in something that the audience can latch into. And Tony Scott's movies almost always do that. Like you're going to get eventually the deja vu, which is one of my favorite Denzel things ever. And it's one of my favorite Tony Scott's ever. And that is a batshit crazy movie in terms of a premise, but <laughs> I don't really get lost in the techno science of that because it's so grounded in the characters and that's what makes this movie great too
1: yeah because there's a i'm glad you brought that up about when they're kind of throwing exposition at you but there's movement it's kinetic it's a it's like a walk and talk or it's a they're in a car they're going running somewhere in a chase uh i the example i always think of i can't remember who said this but um in the original terminator michael bean Mm -hmm. gives linda hamilton all that exposition during a car chase which yes. is like, if you've got an exposition dump, <laughs> do it during like a car chase or something. Um, you don't just stop them when you sit at a table and tell you know what I mean? Get, do something that's keeping it moving. And M.A. State's really good at that too. And they drop all this, there's all this, I know they went talk to NSA guys and CIA guys and get all this technical jargon. Um, and the other great thing is you don't need to know really that you can miss little details of that and you won't be lost. You can keep up, you know? So, um, which is good too, because, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, if you catch it, great. If you don't, you won't be lost. You can follow the movie because it's not going that far over your head. You know, it's not. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really good at that. Like that's probably again like all those people that worked on the script kind of probably got like you know nailed down. Um, and well, that,
0: but that's Tony too. Like to be yeah. fair, like all all of his movies are something where there's there's something that's way above the audience's head, right? And it's, it's too much for everybody or whatever. It can be too much for everybody, but he's going to ground it back in a place where the person munching on their popcorn can follow it and right. can get yeah. into it. And that's that's why I've always appreciated his his stuff is because it can be this big deep concept, you know, something like the hunger, which is a lot of shit going on in that movie, you know, and stuff like that. And, or something wacky like this, or, you know, something that's basically a music video like top gun when we're talking about, I don't know if you ever talked to actual Naval aviators, but their job is incredibly boring. Like they will, (laughs) the way they talk about it, the way it really is, it does not sound nearly as exciting as that movie makes it, but he made it awesome with the cinematography and the way that they, they shot that movie and stuff. And that's something that all these movies can do is they break it down for the, the, the audience to be able to sit there, enjoy it, understand it and get caught up in it. And you can put yourself in this, you know, Will Smith's character shoes is that Holy cow with just, you know, you're the wrong place, the wrong time, you know, the wrong thing. And the next thing you know, your whole life is wiped out because when they want you, they're coming for you, you know? And I mean, that, again, that's a, an age-old trope for a movie, but it totally works.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. And it does help that you have somebody as likable as Will Smith. Very mm-hmm. easy to root for, especially in 98. It's like, you know, everyone oh, yeah. like, who do... I mean, It's one of those guys that's like, to me, it was like a Robin Williams or a... Uh, just one of those, like, truly beloved actors who, like, it seemed you couldn't meet somebody who didn't like the guy. I feel like anyone from, like me as a little kid to like my grandparents were, you know, like, liked Will Smith. (laughs) He's just a likable guy.
0: Everyone liked Will Smith, especially at that point. Again, we just come off three straight summer mega blockbusters. You know, it was one of the biggest things in, in entertainment at the time. And then he does this. And I mean, be honest, this is a little beneath what he could have got at the time, but he did it because Gene Hackman and he thought, well, this will be fun. And right. <laughs> he, I mean, he loved it and he turned it in a huge performance. It's, you know, it's a $250 million movie and it was, it was massive for all of them. And it wasn't until after this, that Will Smith kind of, t- you know, the wild, wild West, I think was the next summer. And that's where things yeah. turned a little bit. Like, and <laughs> they we do a men in black too. And that's got its own, you know, that's its own stuff. And, you know, Will Smith now is, is kind of in the mode of um, chasing Oscars, honestly, with, with what he's in, which is cool. King Richard's a great film and he's, he's a, uh, he's a producer and things his uh, reimagining of uh, fresh Prince of Bel-Air that's on Peacock. Now that is an amazing, gritty drama. And I, I appreciate it um, as someone who watched the old rom-com or the old sitcom to take the sitcom element and then just go, but we're going to do it serious. And it's, I mean, it's the same story, but with just a different twist, you realize like, I, this is because this guy has spent all these decades in being around smart filmmakers, smart writers, smart actors. And he picked up on a lot of it and you can tell. And, uh, you know, this movie, like you say, was, was a different thing for him for where he wasn't playing the leading strong, got it all together guy. He had to play a smart guy who had to think through it more than he punched his way through it.
1: Yeah. 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 And not being quite as, uh, uh it was like independent isn't necessarily like comedy, but yeah, I feel like he's just, yeah, he's got this like different kind of swagger in other movies. And like, he's very jokey men in black, especially, uh, and, you know, this, I think, I think he also wanted this to push himself a little bit and kind of show, like, he had a little more range probably than people even thought. He's like, yeah, you know, he's like, oh, I can be a little more serious. Like, look, you know, look at me, you know, kind of taking this a little more serious part um, and going toe to toe with Gene Hackman or holding totally my own with Gene Hackman because just a powerhouse actor who, yeah, I mean, he's great. Like, I can't even, like, the whole cast is great. And Gene Hackman is amazing. And I think Will Smith is like, I was really thinking, like, this is one of my favorite like, I think he's, uh, for performances, I think he's really, really good at this movie. He has movies, I think, uh, that he gets to be, like, the star, air quote, more. But I think this is a good performance from him. And I kind of, like, I kind of wish he did more of this stuff. Yeah, because after this, it, it gets a little rough. Like, it's Wild Wild West and um, Legend of Bagger Vance and Men in Black 2, which I don't think was, it did, made money but wasn't well received. But, um, I mean, this is, yeah, a big hit. I think he mentioned that, like, $250 million worldwide. Tony's like, I think they said his third biggest hit of all time that he ever had. Um, So, did great. Every time he's a Bruckheimer, it's like this pattern of, of like, he does a Bruckheimer movie, it does great uh, or really well. And then, and then he goes and does kind of something darker without Bruckheimer and doesn't do as well. Like, he did the fan in between uh, Crimson Tide and Enemy of the State. And that did very poorly, critically and financially. Um,
0: Which is unfortunate because that's actually not a bad movie. So, like, that's that's a (laughs) fine one. And y'all had a great episode already, too. But I mean, that's a, that's a, that was a movie that I think if you cast different people in it, not to bag on uh, De Niro too bad. But if you, if you went somewhere a little different with that, I think everything else about it would have worked.
1: Yeah. Um, They just changed things a little bit. And I, it, like, I think I said said on the episode, I'm like, if, if I think the fan is your worst movie of your career, you're doing pretty well because I don't think you're doing all right.
0: Yeah. You're you're not in a bad place. If that's, if that's what you've got going
1: on. Yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, I know we're, running a little low on time here so i got to ask you the question i ask everybody uh what is your favorite tony scott movie
0: oh man <laughs> <laughs> well okay um i have what i think is his best movie and then i have my favorites uh, that that he did i actually think the the best like neatest thing he did i think spy game is pretty darn impeccable i i i will ride for that movie forever uh because i think it's it's like this one, but it's just a tinge smarter, even. And it's built on so much. I mean, so much of that movie is Robert Redford sitting in a fucking office talking on yeah. the phone. And it's it builds all the tension. It gets all the stuff. And it's Tony going like, okay, I don't have to blow shit up every five seconds to have the same kind of ratcheted tension in a movie. So that's, like, I think that's his best one. It's not my favorite one, though. Um, I, my, my favorite one is, is deja vu, uh, because it is so, again, you hand that to somebody else that is, it's just this batshit crazy premise and it, it goes completely off the rails, but this guy made Val Kilmer like the straight man in the movie right <laughs> to denzel's you know wackiness and all the other stuff going on that I, I that's my favorite tody scott and then i i i will people go listen to it on the filmstrip archives i will hold a candle for days of thunder people dismiss that as top gun and nascar I have never bothered to watch nascar because that <laughs> movie exposed nascar for what it was before they were ready to admit it and if you watch modern nascar it's uh-huh. that fucking movie all the time so yeah that's that's yeah that (laughs) about long long answer to your short question but yeah but i I love tony Scott stuff man crimson tide you mentioned that one and like dude that that hits so much home for me because dad was in the navy submarine fan again you got hackman and denzel just chewing dialogue at each other and you've got nuclear war and all the character actors in that movie yeah man i i I can watch any of that all day
1: it's hard to it's hard to pick a favorite. yeah no it's like but i like all your choices they're all kind of different. And, you know, days of thunder mm-hmm. is different than deja vu and criticize different than both the other movies and um, spy game is uh, I know, uh, Anthony's to come on and I know he loves Spy game, I think beyond even a Tony Scott movie, I think it's one of his favorite movies in general, um, mm-hmm. I believe so. Uh, and it's a movie I definitely liked, but it's hard for me to rank with Tony Scott movies, because I like all basically like all of them almost. And then it's kind of ranking like, it's like picking children or something. It's like, how do I rank, you know, uh, if I put Spy Game, like, I'm just on top of head, like, if I put it, like, in seventh place out of 16, it doesn't mean I don't think it's great. It just means that the, I think he made, like, six of a better movie. You know? Right, right. And I, It's yeah, so and tough, I'm, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. is It's tough. I mean, But even something like, again, The Hunger, which is a very, very different film from yeah. pretty much anything else in the oeuvre, that's got a lot of cool stuff that has been copied and copied and copied for years um I mean people will talk about elevated horror like it's a new thing I'm like Tony Scott was doing that shit a long time ago you know I was like just nobody saw it you know, right. except, the, except <laughs> the people that made Top Gun so- <laughs> and thank God they did see it yeah that's like yeah right
1: hunger is uh, fascinating in his filmography it's so different than anything else um uh yeah I know he's his filmography is fascinating we're in this period now with this double whammy of Enemy of the State and Spy Game, which is like uh, two very slick kind of thrillers with stars and kind of this paranoid spy thing with these two movies. And honestly, the, the period after that is my favorite Tony Scott period. Uh, that, that It's three years I think he does, back to back to back, he does Man on Fire, Domino, Deja Vu, um, and he's getting so experimental and doing yeah. so much stuff that it's like because it's it, he's doing a little bit of that in enemy of the state and spy game kind of playing around a little bit but it's nowhere it goes so much crazier he amps up to like another level in Van on fire and domino and deja vu those three movies um yeah i love that period so i'm so excited we're getting into that kind of that area but i love this stuff too this is just like a great i was like this is just a great blockbuster that if i'd gone to see it in a theater now it would have like a wonderful time
0: you know oh, like, oh, man. Is- yeah well and i mean i can tell you again have, when i saw it in the theater i thought this is amazing it was everything i thought it, i wanted it to be i mean it was exactly what i expected yeah so which <laughs> is how many times does that happen you
1: know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's rare yeah that's oh man yeah it's so yeah i mean i guess kind of to wrap up i think amy state is pretty great i would say it's, it's again it's, it's up there for Tony scott but i'd still probably put like Five or six movies in front of it, but even though it's a great movie, it's just that's how strong I think his filmography is. But um, but yeah, I think everyone's really good in it. I think it's just all the pieces work. Uh, you know, I, I just think, yeah, it's another very, very strong entry and a good bounce back after the fan from financial and critical perspective, too. So, yeah. Um, anything else you want to say on, on enemy state for we wrap? Up? Oh, I,
0: I can't add any more to it. And I've already said, I love this movie. I mean, I think, I think it's fantastic and, uh, I'm, I'm only disappointed. We haven't covered it on film strip. So, uh, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe someday I can talk somebody into it, but yeah. Um, no, I love it and, uh, really appreciate you giving me the chance to come on and, uh, and talk about it, man. Uh, really enjoy the podcast and always love, uh, talking fun movies with other folks. So thanks again. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you for coming on. I'm so glad we got to finally talk. Like I said, I've listened to you on a podcast, so it's it's always great to actually talk people that you've listened to for a long time. So uh, no, no, thank you. This was great. I really appreciate you doing this and uh, yeah, this was so much fun. I kind of want to watch the movie again already. (laughs) So uh, yeah, it's just one of those, like if it's on, I feel like uh, I'm just going to keep watching, you know, if it's on TNT or something, I'm going to watch it. So, -hmm. um, so much fun. So yeah. And uh, like I said, next month, we're doing Spy Game. Uh, Anthony King's gonna come on, and yeah, that should be really fun because he loves that movie. So um, I'm excited to watch it again. <laughs> so, um, but Jay, let uh, go ahead and plug all your stuff. People can find you, the podcast, all that, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks so much. Um, folks can find Filmstrip Podcast wherever you find podcasts. Just search Filmstrip Podcast. You can follow the show's social media at Filmstrip Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and that's where you find all the stuff about our episodes uh, we release every two weeks uh, right now. Uh, but we've got a huge catalog, 340 something episodes through the years. And we've done a lot of different things. There's something in there for everybody. And, uh, so I, again, blessed to work with a, a lot of, uh, proper villains through the years and, uh, some of you have know, retired from podcasting, moved on, but Ron and Lindsay are, are who I'm doing the show with now. And, uh, they're both a ton of fun and, um, are, are just great folks to hang out with. And, you know, our podcast is friends talking about movies. I mean, we, we keep a real casual conversation and, um, uh, try to keep it fast and loose like say cover a little bit of everything so check out filmstrip podcast uh, wherever you can
1: very cool yes i second that i was i was going back through kind of film strip episodes there's so many of them like you said and i'm like i just that's what i love about your show i'm trying to do the same thing on this show is like you guys have covered newer stuff right when it comes out i know you just did one on the the new scream and you've done older movies like and there's a great variety it's not like you can just go through and go, they've covered all kinds of movies, different times. Um, so yes, I love that about your show and uh, you've been doing it a long time. So people have lots of episodes to check out if they have not checked it out yet. Um, you can find something in the, in the back catalog if you need to. <laughs> so um, yes, you do great work, my friend. So um, well, thank you. <laughs> uh for our stuff it's usual uh you can follow me on twitter at maplet87 uh you can follow the podcast uh on twitter at film feast pod and you can follow me and the podcast on instagram at FilmFeasts, all one word um and that's it for this week guys and we will talk to you next time bye everybody